Radio welcomes you to the special feature of Manuel Dos. And this time it is personal. Welcome to Roman Empress Totalis Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, and this is episode 169. And it is, as you may have guessed by the introduction, Manuel Dos. Manuel the Dos. <laughs> You've been looking forward to this one, Jamie. I really have. I really, really have. Are you hoping that Manuel Dos is everything that we we have built him up to be? <laughs> I, I'm not hoping. I know. I know he's everything. How, how disappointed will you be if he's actually a completely pathetic loser of an emperor? Well, that's not going to happen, so I don't even think about it. Okay, that's good. That's good to It'll know. Be fine. Right, well, I'm going to warn you. It's, as I have already warned you in previous episodes, it's going to be a long one today. It's our last right. long episode of the Roman Emperor series. Oh. Yeah. So, we should probably dive into this. We start on the 27th of June in 1350. What a late-sounding date that is. That is like end, almost like end of summer, kind of thing, even though it's the beginning of summer. Um, yeah, yeah. N- nice, nice summer days in the yeah. mid-1300s. The days were getting longer, the nights shorter, the, the Black Death was wafting in the breeze. It was, it was very nice. <laughs> Uh, what is that smell? <laughs> well, Helena Death. and John V have just had their second son, and they have named him Manuel Dos. Or he probably named himself, let's be honest. Yeah, oh yeah, no, he so did. He, he named his parents as well. <laughs> That's how it worked. Mama, papa, <laughs> the name is Manuel Dos. Uh, pleased to meet you, he said. <laughs> you may call me sir. <laughs> yeah, anyway... Uh, Let's just be clear, because uh, it's, it's been a little while since we recorded the last, last episode. I want to make sure you know what the family is and how everyone relates to each other. We've jumped around a bit. So remember, we had John V. He's the emperor who we covered a few episodes back. And yes. then we covered his first son and then his grandson. That's Andronicus yes. IV, worst son ever. And then John <laughs> VII. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're covering John V's second son, so this is brother to Andronicus IV, worst son ever, right. and yep. uncle to John that we covered last time. Yeah? Yeah. Is that clear? Good. Yeah, got it. So, just like his brother, Andronicus, Manuel was born during the time of John V and John VI and Cazinos having their civil war. And just like Andronicus IV, Manuel spent his first few years moving about quite a bit. By the age of three, he'd already lived in Diddy Town and the island of Tenedos, and in Thessalonica briefly. Uh, and but, mastered making red wine. Yes, uh, every town he went to, he mastered a new skill. That's mm, yeah, red wine in Diddy Town, uh, rolling yeah, black cigarettes on Tenedos. Yes, yeah, yes. And, Mojitos uh, in in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, yes, yes, he popped there as well. And then when he was probably too young to understand the politics, um, but not too young to roll his own cigarettes. Uh, His father (laughs) would have taken Constantinople and become the emperor. His older brother, Andronicus, was made co-emperor and heir, as we've covered. So Mm. his earliest memories probably would have been of this, his brother being heir and his father becoming the emperor. Uh, He would have been raised, typical for a royal prince, and uh, soon there were more princes. Brothers Michael and Theodore soon followed. 
And there were also sisters, but as per usual, we don't know how many there are. Misogyny of the Romans. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just know there's a couple of brothers around. Now we get our first concrete mentions of Manuel when he's 16 years old. No longer a little boy. His father, realising that he needed help against the Ottomans, had decided to take the unprecedented step of travelling to the Catholic Kingdom of Hungary and asking for aid. The heir, Andronicus, was left behind, remember? But going with Dad was Manuel and Michael. As mentioned before, we have no detail on this meeting, but as we speculate, uh, John V almost certainly agreed to become Catholic in this meeting and also steer the entire empire towards the Western Church. Yes. But what we do know about the meeting for certain is that when John left, he left his son Manuel behind as a hostage. (gasps) Coolest hostage ever. Obviously, we've covered this kind of thing before. Manuel would have been treated very well, a guest of honour kind of hostage, but he was definitely there just just to make sure that the emperor didn't do anything, just to annoy the Hungarians. So, Manuel, you you stay here. So, Manuel would have just been part of the Hungarian court for a while. He would have heard at some point that his father had been stopped by the Bulgarians on the way home and essentially taken prisoner, and that his elder brother was doing nothing to help. He just sits there all the time. Yeah, well, Manuel can't do anything. He's guest of the Hungarians, so he just has to sit... It would be rude to kill my hosts. Yeah, exactly. So he's he's not going to go on a quest for vengeance. I mean, it's in no. his heart to oh, do yeah. so, but no. Plus, yeah. there's lots of young Hungarian maidens to get to know, I'm sure. So, Hola. Yeah. Como, como esta? So, <laughs> so he stays in Hungary. Uh, next thing he would have heard is that Lord Flashheart, the Green Count Armando of Sausage of Savoy, had rescued his father. What a title. Woof! <laughs> <laughs> Some of those titles are historically <laughs> accurate. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so his father was rescued. Uh, Manuel, uh, being 16 and a hostage, like I say, not involved, but he would have heard of it. And at some point, he was released from Hungary. Uh, We don't know how or when this happens. He He just said, I'm going for a walk. Yeah, probably. I might see you soon. Yeah. On horse, right off sunset, gone. Yeah, which is weird, because if you're riding to Constantinople from Hungary... Uh, mm. you'd actually be going east and therefore the sun shouldn't yeah. be setting but, uh, but manuel i mean he doesn't he doesn't have to worry about that kind of thing the sun's set in the east damn it physics schmizics yeah exactly <laughs> so anyway uh within a year he is back in constantinople and we know that he's back in constantinople because uh we know that he was part of that meeting when the new Latin patriarch of Constantinople met with the monked John Sixcant Casinos to talk about the unification of the church that we covered in previous episodes. Yeah. Uh, we speculated that Andronicus, uh, who definitely was there, probably sat around and didn't contribute at all. Um, I'm guessing Manuel didn't contribute much to this meeting either, but in a much cooler way. Yeah. Yeah. Feet on the table, use a different colour ink. <laughs> Yeah, that was his contribution. I I tire of blue. Yeah. That's what he did. So, another year passes, and then his father told Manuel that he's off to the west to see the Pope and get assistance against the Ottomans. Hmm. Uh, Andronicus was left in charge of the capital when he's gone. Uh, Don't worry, Manuel, I've given him some strict instructions. Uh, As for you, you are going to become the governor of our second city, Thessalonica. 
Now, at this point, I'm going to ask you, do you still have the triangle of vague geographic knowledge? Oh, yes. Oh, two-hand. Excellent. Right, so just so you're clear, Manuel is off to Thessalonica. Thess, found it. Yeah, good. It's got a Z next. We always have a Z next to it. That's because the zealots took over, but they're gone now. You can cross that Z off. Thessalonica is now back in Roman hands. See. So Manuel goes off to Thessalonica to rule the second city of the empire, and we get nothing on him about him going to his new city. Uh, We do hear from him about a year later, however, because as we have covered, John went to Rome, met the Pope, converted to Catholicism, then headed to Venice, and there he made a deal. Tell you what, Venetians, you give me back the crown jewels and some ships and some men, I'll sell you the Isle of Tenedos. And the Venetians went, yeah, okay then. And then John wrote to his son Andronicus to arrange it, and Andronicus refused, remember. Yeah. I like islands. <laughs> so John, the emperor, was trapped in Venice. Very embarrassing. We get few details, but it appears that Manuel, who is 21 by this point, by the way, heard of his father's plight and his brother's refusal to help and took matters upon himself. He set sail so to cool. Venice to pay for his father's freedom. According to one source, his arrival, and I quote here, filled the parental eyes with joy. Everyone's eyes. Oh, look at man. Where's Manuel? It's Manuel. It's like the legend says. (laughs) I'd like to think that he wasn't asked to do this at all. Uh, John was just in Venice despairing, and then a flamenco guitar (laughs) just, just strums softly in the window, and there's Manuel. Throws him a purse of gold, he does. Oh. Papa. Evgen. So Manuel hands over cash. Uh, He raised this cash in Thessalonica uh, through taxes, which did not necessarily go down too well with the people living in the city. Remember, as you just crossed out that Z, Thessalonica isn't the most loyal of cities in the Roman Empire. No. No, so them paying their hard-earned cash to save an emperor that they weren't that keen on. Mm, They weren't too happy about it. But still, Manuel went to Venice, freed his father by paying some of the money owed back. Manuel himself, however, guess what he's got to do once John V leaves? Thessalonica? No, it's the same as before. He's got to stay behind as a hostage. Oh, oh. Yeah. (laughs) I will be your hostage. No, 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 it's perfectly fine. No, no, I will be your hostage. (laughs) Either that or... People just keep asking him to stay wherever he goes. <laughs> You're just so cool. <laughs> just, just stay a bit longer. Oh, duty calls, I must go. What if we said you were a hostage? Now, it's uh, not clear how long Manuel stayed in Venice, uh, but it wasn't long. Uh, most likely until, until I jo- got bored. <laughs> yeah, most likely until John was able to get home and send more of the cash that he owed. Still, he was definitely no longer than a year in Venice, and soon enough he was back in Thessalonica. And here we see one of the first cases of Manuel acting on his own. Because while he was getting home, the Ottomans and the Serbians had finished up a decisive war, and the Ottomans had come out on top. And Manuel, and when Manuel got back from the west, he saw how weak the Serbians were and decided to take back the city of Ceres from them. If you remember from back back in John Cantor's Gazinos' episode, uh, this city was lost to the Serbians. So. Yeah. Uh, the Serbians were weak, and Manuel was able to take a city back. Hooray! So if you look on hey. your triangle, there you go, you can put a tick next to Serres. It's back in the Empire. Whereabouts is it? It's sort of in, in the middle, to the left of uh, Thessalonica, quite close to it. Oh, yeah, found it, found it. Yeah, found there it. we go. Yay, Empire's growing again. Woo! 
Yeah, so there you go. That's a, a, a city close to Thessalonica, back in the empire. Fantastic. Uh, his father was very pleased to publicly announce that Manuel would rule over any land reclaimed for the Roman Empire. Now, remember back to his and Andronicus's episode, this is when him and Andronicus are having a big falling out over yes. the fact that Andronicus is an awful son. So Manuel's really on the rise here. However, things start going downhill, because this is roughly the same time that John V goes to the Sultan Morad and accepted becoming a vassal state. Yeah, we do not have Manuel's reaction to this, but we get the feeling it was not good. Based on on things that he does throughout his life, you get the feeling that he was not happy with his father giving in to the Ottomans here. I am mildly disappointed. Now, making the period even more politically confusing is the fact that this is when his brother Andronicus joined forces with the son of Morad, and they revolted together. Uh, We have next to no detail on what Manuel was doing at this time, but if Being you remember, cool. well, yeah, if you remember, the revolt failed, and Andronicus and uh, his son John were blinded and thrown in jail. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. again, we don't have Manuel's reaction, but probably you get the feeling he didn't get on with his brother. But I don't know. No. Would he have liked the fact his brother was blinded and his nephew? Hmm. Who knows? An eye for an eye. That doesn't make sense, Manuel. <laughs> it does. Think about it. It's just an eye and an eye. But his brother's in jail, as is his nephew, so a new heir is needed. So in September of 1373, Manuel becomes co-emperor and heir. Hooray. And then the next three years pass in relative peace. Nice. Manuel ruled the second city as heir, uh, but it would appear he spent significant time in the capital as well. It's hard to pin down his movements at this time. But then his brother is broken out of prison by the Genoese. As covered, Andronicus was able to take the city with the help of the Genoese and the Ottomans, because Morad's just having fun playing everyone off each other. Uh, Yeah, Manuel and his father, and also his younger brother, Theodore, were captured and thrown into the same prison that Andronicus IV had been in. Mm -hmm. According to one source, Andronicus IV ordered that Manuel and his father be placed in wooden cages within their cells, just to make it even more uncomfortable. I I think Manuel just walked in and just saw, ah, a bunk bed. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This is where we speculated that Manuel just played cards with the the rats. rats. So he was probably just doing that. Um, But interestingly... We do actually get some details from Manuel's perspective. Oh. The reason why this is a longer episode is because quite a bit of Manuel's writings survive. Hmm. He made a few speeches in his life, and when he was pleased with his speeches, he wrote them down and he sent them to his friends, and they survived. And in one of his speeches, uh, this is uh, much later in life at his brother's funeral he recounts the time that he and his brother were thrown into jail together. So we actually do get a bit of detail. So he said that his cell was like a tomb and that, I quote, darkness prevailed within. So not a happy time. He wrote that at one point he had a wound on his head and his brother Theodore helped him cradle his head. So we're guessing Manuel was beaten up by the guards somewhat. He also mentioned a plot to free Theodore that would have worked if his cowardly father had not backed out, fearing for his own life. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Now, like I say, this all comes from a speech much later on in life, uh, and Manuel and his father had fallen out by this point, so who knows how true this is, but uh, apparently there were several plots to 
to break out of prison, and his father was slowing them down. He went on to describe the time, and I'll quote here, As for everyone under such circumstances... I should be doing it in the manual voice, really, shouldn't I? You should. <laughs> As everyone under such circumstances, it was necessary to turn to many activities so I could scatter a little the cloud of despair with some leisure and not surrender completely to the present and future evils. No one can do that. So at this time, it seemed good to me to continuously occupy myself with this activity. Spending time with books day and night, along with performing my duty to God. It was necessary to use the latter whenever I turned to such an occupation. So he's reading a lot. Before he said he's reading, it sounded like he was up to something else. Uh, no, no, he's definitely reading. I'm sure that's what this sure? quote's saying. Yes, he's definitely reading. Yeah. Uh, he's reading the hell out of those books. Oh, he's got to use a lamp. Sometimes four or five times a day. It's, it's really dark. It's hard to see what's going on in the cell. Uh, he's got to use, <laughs> got to use a lamp. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, there's a bit more. Let me carry on. Since I was bereft of an instructor, I could not advance in many respects in proportion to my great labours. Yet, in the continuity of my activity, an utterly tyrannical love for Logos was imprinted into my soul, and it prevailed over all things as to make me not simply a lover, but a raving one, too. See, he told you I wasn't reading books. No, he's definitely not reading books, is he? He's a a raving lover of something. He's uh, he's got a thirst for, for knowledge. For, for theology, yes. that's what it is. He's yeah. reading a lot about theology. Really shaking out that theology. Yeah. Um, yeah, so don't think uh, manacles chained to a wall, but do think dark, damp conditions, and they're able to smuggle in books to him occasionally to keep himself okay. occupied. Unpleasant, but not three years of actual torture is, is what we're looking at here. Just an occasional beating kind of thing. Anyway, all this is written after by Manuel to make himself look good, remember. Uh, he wanted to make it seem like he got through tough times by becoming more educated and closer to God. Who knows, maybe he did do this whilst he was imprisoned. Uh, we, we don't know. Uh, what we do know is three years after being imprisoned, Manuel, his father and younger brother escape. We don't know for certain. One source claims that they were smuggled in a file and they're able to literally file away the bars and crawl out classic hope the file was in a cake uh one source (laughs) one source says that a man named angelos who had a nickname the devil lowered them out of a window interesting yeah i I like the fact that someone called angelos has the nickname the devil Uh, let's combine the stories let's just say the devil smuggled in a file together they hacked open a window and then they lowered lowered them out there you go. I like to think my wife just walked out the front door saying, I'm leaving now. <laughs> yes. I've had my fill. He just got to the end of the book he was reading. <laughs> <laughs> Papa, goodbye. <laughs> just closed the book, places it gently down on the table. My time here is done. And he leaves. Uh, frustrating. And brother's like, are you going to clean up all those tissues? <laughs> they are the labour of my love. And then he just leaves. Uh, Frustratingly, in the speech where Manuel has been talking about this, uh, he says he won't go into the details of the escape because everyone already is familiar with the story, which is very annoying. Yeah. Yeah, because we could have... 700 years ago, but... 
Yeah. Not so much now. Yeah, exactly. So, who knows? Anyway, as covered, there was then a period of cold civil war between Andronicus IV and John V, backed by the Genoese and the Ottomans. During this civil war, Manuel is sent to go and fight for the Ottomans in Anatolia. Remember, John V has pretty much said, I'll be your vassal, and uh, Morad, the Sultan's, said, okay, then send me one of your sons to fight for me. Just to make sure that you stay on board. So again... Mm, which one should I send? Mm. <laughs> well, we've got Manuel yet again being a hostage. This seems to be his life. It's going from one place to another, just being a hostage. Uh, this time, however, not as a guest of honour, but as a fighter. He's actually in part of the army fighting for the Ottomans oh. in Anatolia. Uh at this time, Morad is trying to take over the rest of Anatolia, squash down the other emirates that are in the area. So, um, yeah, he would have been involved in that that fighting. Uh, the civil war ends with the agreement that we've covered that John V would become emperor again, Andronicus IV would become the heir again, John VII becomes the next in line. Brother Theodore, by the way, is going to be given Moria to rule. That's the bottom of the triangle, south of Greece. As for Manuel, well, he was in Anatolia when he heard the news, and he returned to the capital, uh, but not for long. Manuel was not happy by this point. He felt like his father was being too weak with the Ottomans. His brother was being a nuisance, kept trying to revolt. They were both as bad as each other. Uh, so Manuel decided he's just going to go back to Thessalonica. Didn't ask anyone. He just left and said, I'm going to rule Thessalonica. Bye. <laughs> so that's what he did. Once there, he started to run the city as his own independent city. He did this for several years. Uh, his brother died in this period, making the succession unclear once more. He, he did listen to his father, but then he just did his own thing afterwards. And his own thing was to defend the city against any invaders, and this included the Ottomans. And he was very loud when he was starting to say things like this. So there's his father saying to Morad, don't worry, we're your vassal state, but his own son is in the second city of the empire, loudly saying the Ottomans are here illegally, we need to fight them. Through flamenco dancers. Yes. Uh, right, as you can imagine, this greatly annoys Morad. He saw this as a betrayal of the vassalship. The sultan ordered John V to rein his son in. John V said to Manuel, stop, stop what you're doing, we're vassals. Manuel turns around and says, no. <laughs> so... John V says, fine, you're a traitor then. You are no longer part of my family. You are a traitor to the Roman Empire. Step down. Let's I'll step down and I want to step down. Yes, that's exactly what Manuel says. So Manuel and John V fall out. By this time, Morad has ordered for Thessalonica to be taken. Just, just take it into the Ottoman Empire completely. Uh, however, slight problem with this, Thessalonica was very difficult to take. There's a reason why it's one of the last cities in the Roman Empire. It's bloody hard to take. The general in charge of taking Thessalonica wasn't able to take the city, but he did take Ceres, which was nearby, just to show Manuel. So if you look back on your triangle, you put a tit next to it earlier, cross that out, Ceres oh. is gone again. Second time I have to do this. Yeah. Ah, we got Ceres. Shouting over the wall. Yeah. Thessalonica, just, just listening to the lovely flamenco music. <laughs> 
just a solitary tear goes down Manuel's uh, cheek. You will be avenged. Yeah. And then he, he burns a map of Ceres and then just sort of floats the ashes into the breeze as he plays. Oh. Yeah. Um, anyway, word was then sent into the city. Uh, the word was surrender. Uh, look what happened to Ceres. We didn't just take the city, we destroyed it and we have sold most citizens into slavery. So you need to surrender. We're coming into Thessalonica. Those of you who we don't kill, we will sell into slavery. It will be a massacre. Or you can surrender and everyone can carry on with their lives. So Manuel looked at this offer and scoffed. (laughs) How little did they know the spirit of the people of Thessalonica, he said. We would rather be slaves than live under the rule of the enemy, he said. Right? He said, looking around. Hola! <laughs> Where is everyone? <laughs> yeah, there's, there were some people left listening to him, but they were shuffling around, looking awkward, not quite meeting his eye. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, despite apparently being a fairly popular ruler, Manuel was kind of losing support here. The options seemed quite clear in the city. It's like, we are going to lose. We can either give up and live, or we can put up a dramatic last stand. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's just poor, you know, Tony. He's just first farm. He's, spent a, he's been building up money for years and years by his very first farm. Carrots are starting to sprout. Potatoes are on the go, ready for the winter season. He's like, I... I spent my life savings on this. Yeah. Come on, Manuel. I, I love my, I love my crop. Don't make me give him my crop. Manuel, please. Manuel puts his hand on Tony's shoulder. But we will fight. No. No. <laughs> my carrots. Yeah, Manuel realises that uh, he's going to need some help before his own people turn against him. Uh, so... Yeah. He writes to various Western leaders, uh, but little or no replies come. For four years, Manuel struggles against this siege from the Ottomans, while his own father is declaring him as a traitor and a usurper. Eventually, it becomes clear to Manuel he's not going to win this. The city has lost its desire to fight. They were going to lose. It will be better all round. Let's surrender rather than die fighting. So, in April of 1385, age 37, he secretly sails away from the city, accepting that he has lost, using his flamenco guitar as an oar, just splashing through the waves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so where's he going to go? The island, Celeracruc, no, Thermogen? Tenedos? That's the one. Tenedos. Well, actually, he didn't quite get the island right, but yes, the first thing he does do is go to a Greek island, Lesbos, in fact. Uh, and he stays there for a while. This name, this island doesn't live up to his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't last there long. He realises he is going to be an outlaw for the rest of his life unless he can get something settled. Uh, and as we have seen before with his father and his brother... There's only one person of power in the area. Unless you get this person's forgiveness, you're not going to last long. So, Manuel, flamenco guitar in hand, goes to the Sultan to ask for forgiveness. (laughs) Ola, I'm here to accept your forgiveness. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, interestingly, Morad received Manuel as a guest and actually forgave him, uh, and then sent him back to Constantinople, telling John V, forgive your son, I know I've been telling you to denounce him for the last four or five years, but um, now I'm telling you to forgive him, so do that. Which might actually nice. tell us why Morad did this, just to keep stirring up the Roman pot. Yeah. Yeah. So, Manuel is back in Constantinople, father and son are together. Uh, a couple of years pass, and the two seem to make up somewhat. And then we hit what we covered last time, which is John's episode. Uh, Morad dies, remember, and his son, Bayezid, becomes the Ottoman Sultan. Yes, remember that. Yes. Uh, Bayezid looks at young John Seven and decides, yeah, actually, let's keep stirring the Roman pot. Let's throw some weight behind him and let him have a go at cooing. <laughs> this yeah. is great to watch. So... In April of 1390, John enters the city after someone opened the gates, and the Emperor John V locked himself up in a tower in the city walls. Manuel, however, didn't do this. He was in the city at the time, but instead of locking himself up, he flees. He's back in his little boat, paddling with his guitar again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I forgot something on Lesbos. I don't think I checked the whole island <laughs> yeah. Well, he flees. He doesn't just flee, but in his boat is all his valuables. He flees with all... all he has that he can carry with him. Now, Manuel is on shaky terms with his father. Nonetheless, he is not about to give the empire up to this upstart, his nephew John Seven. So, once he mm. gets to some of the Greek islands, he sells all his belongings. He raises as much money as he can, and then he goes to Rhodes. Living on Rhodes at the moment were the Knights Hospitaller, essentially a military religious order uh, very similar to the Knights Templar. We're in this region of, of history where you just got military groups that are from orders from God, of course, uh, therefore they could go around doing whatever they wanted. Essentially a mercenary unit, but Pope's on side. I wonder if there's some interesting things with the etymology of that, like with hospital oh, oh, and yes, hospitable. Yes, yes, uh, it, is, it is all linked as far as I'm aware. Friends. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, they, they're willing to do fighting for cash is all that Manuel cares about. <laughs> so he hands over the cash yeah. and the knights hand over their fighting. <laughs> Just a, a bag of swords. <laughs> yes. This is what I meant. <laughs> well, using the order, Manuel was able to enter the city after a couple of attempts over four months. It, they don't get in the first attempt, but they, it doesn't take long. Uh, his nephew was dethroned and his father was back in charge. And that was the glorious reign of John Seven. See, si. Manuel was praised by his father, uh, but Bayezid was not happy at all. His plan had failed. He wrote to John, "Send Manuel to me. I want him in my court." So off Manuel goes, off to be a hostage once more. Uh, now, from what historians can gather, Manuel and Bayezid did not get on at all. Get the feeling that Manuel and Murad, uh, Bayezid's father, kind of got on well enough. Yeah. This is uh, completely different. Uh, Bezid would. <laughs> he always saw you as the son. <laughs> well, yeah. You're I mean, just so cool. Bezid would have been around when Manuel was there before, remember? Uh, when Bezid was just mm. the son of the Sultan. So, yeah, maybe there was a dislike from that period of time. Not only do Manuel and Bezid not get on, but John Seven also turns up soon. Well, are they all being put in the same cell? It's just wide open or something <laughs> a few bricks to say pull here for escape that kind of thing john, john seven was never put in jail to begin with when manuel right. entered the city john just fled so, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, probably f- through the cell. That's how open it is. <laughs> yeah. It's more of a walkway. <laughs> yeah. More of a lean-to at this side <laughs> of the prison. So yeah, uncle and nephew are forced to fight for the sultan in the sultan's okay. court whilst John V gets on with ruling the empire. Uh, both take part in the siege of Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia is one of the very few Greek cities left in Anatolia, no longer part of the empire, but it's it's not been taken by any of the emirates uh, yet. Uh, but <laughs> you've got two heirs of the Roman throne attacking a Greek city for the Ottomans, which the Ottomans find hilarious. Yeah, yeah. People of Philadelphia less so. Bezid was able to use Manuel, being with him to his advantage also. Uh, when he learnt that John V was starting to strengthen the walls of Constantinople, he wrote to John saying, Stop strengthening your walls, or I will take the eyes of Manuel. <laughs> and as we saw at the end of John's episode, this was too much for John. He retreated, he fell ill, and he died. So there we go. After several episodes, we finally got to the point in the narrative where we are moving forward into the unknown. New material. Oh, my goodness. New material, yes. It's like being at sea. Yes, it is. Uh, so, let's do this. Bayezid had the two claimants for the throne in his power. I mean, they're both yeah. with him. He's got Manuel and he's got John. He would be able to make them play off each other as to who was allowed to go back and be the next Roman emperor. Now, I've read two different versions on what happens next, so you can choose which one. <gasps> this is like those books where you get to choose the next yeah. page. What next? Cool. Either Manuel received word of his father's death and escaped, rushed to the capital and claimed his throne. Or Bayezid decided that Manuel could be the emperor, gave him a ship and allowed him to go. Or three, Manuel just said, I'm emperor, I'm off. <laughs> okay yeah actually that kind of covers both doesn't it because <laughs> yeah. that's that's still his agency him leaving and i'm guessing bears yeah. told himself that he chose manuel like <laughs> after manuel yeah. left the room and the the, the glamour had lifted slightly and Sorry. he was just feeling slightly confused of what had just happened in the last five minutes <laughs> I, I, I just, manuel came in and started speaking and he strummed that guitar music. and yes I just don't remember any of the rest of the conversation, oh. but apparently he's left now, and now he's the emperor. <laughs> Did I agree to this? I must have done. Yes, it was me. Yes, it of course me. it was me. I'm the sultan. Yes, I decided. So yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> but Bezid decided. <laughs> so in March of 1391, at the age of 41, Manuel II, Dos, becomes the emperor. Bezid immediately decided to ensure that the new emperor knew who was boss. So he straight away ordered that the annual tribute go up. So he said, like, well, what a welcome package. <laughs> a little hamper. Uh, well, a little hamper with just a note saying you owe me in it. Oh. Yeah. Pay up more money. Oh, and also uh, there was something else in the hamper. Uh, it was a man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is a new advisor in your court. Uh, he's there just to make sure that the Muslim citizens in your city are treated well. That's all. But he will be attending all meetings. Ignore the clipboard. And the dictaphone. Yeah. <laughs> just just ignore it. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Stop asking questions. It's fine. Oh, and, and I'll quote here, If you do not accept my orders and do as I command, then shut the gates of your city and govern what lies behind them, for everything beyond the gates belong to me. 
Ooh, so threatening. (laughs) (laughs) Well, three months later, Bayezid then summons Manuel to him. Again, showing Manuel who's boss. You've got to come to me. Uh, So, uh, Manuel has no choice here. He's he's left in the situation that his father was in. I was heading this way already, it's fine. (laughs) Well, he left his mother Helena as regent and he sets out. And again, Manuel was forced to fight for the sultan alongside his hated nephew for another six months. Wow. So this is uh, not, not just the heir, this is the actual Roman emperor just fighting for someone else for six months instead of governing. I mean, can we at least admit now it, the the era is kind of over? No, no, it's still going, Jamie. Still got it, two and a half episodes left. Uh, it's not really, though. <laughs> well, maybe it picks up. Maybe the golden age is around the corner, Jamie. I Okay, this morning in our classroom, there was a spider that had yeah. been in that sink all night. Yeah. One leg was missing. It was barely alive. Yeah. My TA decided to put the tap on. I felt very sad, but got flushed down the sink, and it just wouldn't go down. There's just little, little tiny legs hanging on. We all knew that spider was dead, but its legs were just clinging on to the, the holes in the tap hole thing, and it just wouldn't just admit that it's gone and there's no more. That is where we are. <laughs> maybe, but maybe that spider crawled out as soon as you stopped looking. And right now... It's nesting in my, in my drawer. <laughs> it's taking over your classroom. <laughs> Invaded three other classrooms. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's all about to turn around, Jamie. Who knows? Because yeah. after six months, Manuel goes back to the capital. And now he can start ruling. Bayezid's thrown his weight about, shown him who's boss. But right, here we go. Let's settle down to doing some ruling. So first things first. What does he need to do? Succession. He needs to make sure he has an heir because all the business that's been going on lately with his father and John VI, Cantacuzinos, and all the fallout of that was a mess. So let's, let's have a clear succession, shall we? So he found a Serbian princess and he married her. <laughs> You'll do. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the uh, father of this princess, so his new father-in-law, was also a vassal to the Ottomans. So no. obviously this had... Approval from Bayezid. Uh, her name was Helena, just like his mother's. How nice. So her and Manuel were formally crowned in the Hajj Sophia to great fanfare. Apparently huge, big ceremony. The kind of ceremony that perhaps maybe was a bit too much, considering how far the empire's fallen. But still, tradition's yeah. tradition, isn't it? So Was it the kind of ceremony where just like a few balloons are let off? They just gotta go... Wee into the sky. No, no, it was full on few, really few party fancy poppers. ceremony. It should have nah, been a ceremony like that because budget party poppers. No, no, it was it was a lot of money spent on it. They okay, shouldn't a lot have of party spent. poppers then. Yeah, yeah. The goats were all dressed up in their best <gasps> finery. Um, oh. Yeah, it's it's very good. We have a first hand account from a a Russian who was passing through, and he was very impressed with it all. Mm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, during this time, not, not like literally during the wedding, but roughly around the same period of time, uh, the Bulgarians attempted to fight back against the Ottomans. Like everyone in the Balkan area, uh, they were uh, worried about the Ottomans, to say the least, and they were attempting to rebel. Did not go down well for them. The Bulgarians were pretty much destroyed 
and absorbed into the Ottoman Empire, not as a vassal state, but as subjects. This is, uh, yeah, what everyone is fearing. Uh, Bayezid himself was furious that the Bulgarians dared to challenge him. Uh, Manuel knew that he was not going to be happy, so was not loving the fact that he had just been invited to Serra's to meet the Sultan personally. Just gets an invite out of the blue. Come to Serra's now. And this is just after the Bulgarians have been defeated. Oh. Yeah. Well, he can't ignore the summons, so Manuel sets off. When he arrives, he was quite shocked, because oh. guess who's there? Uh, first of all, his brother Theodore, who's ruling Moria at the time, so the only other empire land. So his brother's there. Hello. Um, yeah. Not only that, his nephew, John Seven, is there. Oh, not you. I mean, oh, not you again. <laughs> yeah. He's getting also, less cool, his accent's slipping. <laughs> also, two Serbian rulers, one of whom was his father-in-law. Uh, essentially, it was all the leaders of the Balkan Peninsula who were not actually in the Ottoman Empire, but were all vassals, all in one place. And they all knew that Bezid was not happy. Hmm. So what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, maybe an ultimatum, maybe a kind of a... You'll be vassally for me, all of you, or... Yeah, I think uh, Ultimatum was best-case scenario on, oh. in their heads. Uh, they, <laughs> they, were, they were very nervous. Uh, still, hopefully, they'd find out what was going on in the morning, they thought. So... <laughs> if you just drink your drinks, sir, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> well, they all go to bed. Uh, Manuel himself uh, writes what the plan was. Uh, according to him, the Sultan, once everyone had gone to bed ordered a general murder all of them in their sleep. However, for unknown reasons, the general disobeyed the order. And now I'll quote Manuel. The Sultan, far from punishing disobedience, thanked his servant for delaying the execution of his command. Apparently, Bezid was by this time quite flighty in his, his opinions and his commands. Just what you want in a leader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Apparently he, he ordered... Kill them all! No, 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 no. Yeah, no. yeah, pretty much. That, that's what happened. He realised... that? <laughs> he realised that murdering the royal families of all his vassal states in the Balkans in one go might cause more harm than good, maybe. Well... Might lead to uprisings and the such. Uh, according to Manuel, Bezid, however, was still angry uh, and wanted someone to point his, his frustration at. And I'll quote Manuel again here. He vented his rage on some of our officers, putting out their eyes and cutting off their hands. If you're happy, I do know it, <laughs> clap your hands. Squelch, squelch. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bezid then, apparently, attempted to present Manuel with gifts. Yeah. Gifts of what? Gifts of what? Well, uh, hands. Here's a bag of hands. <laughs> Here's a jar of eyes. Enjoy. I, I bet it was a bag of hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll just quote Manuel here. As one tries to calm a child with sweets after one has beaten it. Yeah, you really get the impression that Bayezid's uh, cooking with one log fewer than a campfire. Yeah. As, as they say. Maybe it's like um, Queenie uh, from Blackadder. Yeah, yeah, definitely seems a bit little like bit, that. little bit like that. Anyway, Who's Sultan. <laughs> well, they they were allowed to leave at this point, and Manuel 
gets the hell out of there. Yes. Ah, oh, thank you, Sultan. Thank you. Let's get the hell out of here. Quick, 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 quick. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I gotta keep waving. Yes, yes. Faster, you... Okay. He starts playing his flamenco guitar in that really fast style instead of a gentle... Yeah, <laughs> yeah he gets back to the capital, glad to be away with his life. Uh, th- this, this trip changed things for Manuel. This was when he really decided he needs to be his own ruler. He can't carry on with the policies of his father. Bayezid would be the end of him unless he does something. And sure enough, shortly after this, Manuel gets another summons from the Sultan. Not sure how long afterwards. I'd like to think five minutes after he got back to the capital. I think just just written in his diary, full stop, new letter. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this time, however, Manuel ignores it. No. Ooh. I will not come. Bayezid was furious. How, how dare you not come to my summons? You're my vassal. So... He sent an army to burn down the populated area outside the Constantinople city walls and then blockade the capital. As you can see, not happy. Now, not yeah. not full-on siege. This isn't like siege warfare trying to get into the city, but this was economic blockading. Yes, very, yeah. very different. Different, but also devastating. This was an awful time to be in the capital. Uh, houses had to be torn down for firewood. Food was very scarce and unreliable because the city had to rely on donations from the West. Uh, the Ottomans were able to completely blockade the city by land, but as we've seen many times, it's very hard to blockade Constantinople by sea. Uh, two years go by like this. Wow. As the city slowly starves to death. The only thing going for them is the aid. And where is the aid coming from? Well, with the great city of Constantinople looking like it was about to fall, the kingdoms of the West were finally starting to think about helping. And how best (laughs) to help, they thought. How about one of those crusades? Bring God into the area. They they always go so well. Yeah. What crusade are we on now, someone asked. It's like, oh, we stopped numbering them. It just got depressing. We've ran out of numbers. Uh, yeah. We're, we're just we're just in the kind of the later also ran crusade section on Wikipedia. So that's a, is that a good thing? <laughs> Probably not. No. no. <laughs> but let's do one of those anyway, shall we? They said. Uh, yeah, the main organiser was the King of Hungary, who knew that he'd be next in line uh, to be attacked by the Ottomans. So uh, the King of Hungary wrote to both popes, Boniface IX and Benedict XIII. Uh, That's right, there were two popes at this point. I'm not going to go into why. Pontifax can do that. Me. Yeah. Anyway, France and uh, the Holy Roman Empire provided troops. The Venetians provided ships. The Genoese and various Greek island states stated they would protect the Black Sea and the Hellespont. Kingdoms in Italy, Spain, England, Poland also provided troops. This was... Wow. This was big scale. This was... I guess even there at this point, looking at the Ottomans going, actually... Yeah, yeah. This is them waking up. Uh, It's been a long time coming. Eventually, around 100,000 men were gathered. Now, uh, maybe numbers are always obviously disputed. Uh, This one is hugely contested. But it's a big, big crusade, crusading force. Uh, Larger Mm. than we have seen in a very, very, very long time. Uh, You'd be so annoyed though, right, if you were an English soldier... And then you're joining up with the Venetian soldiers like, I've been walking for months. Which is like, ah, oh, it's fine, it's fine. It's fine, we've got our ships. Yes. 
Yeah. I don't know. The weather's nicer. That's true, yeah, but have been walking for months, eating, like, yeah, stale true. bread. Yeah, but going through France, stale bread and wine and good cheese. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, exactly. So it's fine. Anyway, uh, Crusade, last stand. Uh, a huge gathering not seen in a very long time. Rivals coming together. You've got the Venetians and the Genoese working together and everything. Yeah. This was everything that Manuel could have hoped for. Word got into the city, help is on the way, the Ottomans will finally be destroyed. So the combined forces of the West travelled down the Danube. The Bulgarians quickly revolted and joined them. Because remember, the Bulgarians have been taken over recently, so that's even yeah. more forces. And it was at the fortified city of Nicopolis that Bayezid met up with them. And the Battle of Nicopolis took place. <gasps> feels, feels like the, 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 that Matrix fight in the last film, but it's all raining and it's all full of Agent Smiths. I don't know why I'm picturing that. Well, picturing. Let's say yes, that's exactly what it was awesome. like. Um, <laughs> as is often the case with the Crusades, the Crusading forces were inherently weak because there was not a clear chain of command. The French forces disagreed with the Hungarian ones. The King of Hungary wanted to be cautious, the French wanted glory and decisiveness. So the French attacked early, and the Ottomans utterly crushed them. And then the rest of the Crusaders saw just how badly the French had just been destroyed. Uh, demoralised, they attempt to attack, but the tide of the battle was on Bayezid's side by this point, and the Ottomans win a decisive victory. Oh, shit. <laughs> Says Manuel in Constantinople. Yeah, the first he hears of this was when the King of Hungary turns up. <laughs> Begging. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He Any turns up on a ship. Sir? It shows how little the Ottomans were able to blockade the sea because the King of Hungary was able to just pop to the capital, deliver the bad news to Manuel. Sorry, try my best. Um, we're destroyed. So, uh, mm. oh dear. Uh, and then the King of Hungary gets back on his ship. The Ottomans by this point, had lined up all the prisoners that they'd captured in the battle so the King of Hungary could see them as he sailed oh. past. Yeah. <laughs> wave! Wave to your king! <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, aid's not coming. And that is how the last Grand Crusade went. There really isn't any Crusades after this. It just, just doesn't happen anymore. So, there you go. Splendid. Mm. Um, I mean, it wasn't a complete waste of time in terms of for the Empire. It did help Manuel slightly. With Bayezid off fighting elsewhere, the blockade had mostly been lifted. So there was a period where um, they managed to get more supplies into the capital, uh, which is just as well. Because once Bayezid had won, the blockade was back on in earnest. In fact, so much so, uh, it stopped being a blockade and it became a full-on siege. Yeah. Yeah. Bayezid's really wants the city now. He's annoyed. He's going to take it by force, or he's going to use John 7, which we've touched upon in his episode. Now remember, John's nearby. He's not in the capital. He's in a town nearby, and Bayezid says to John, you say you're emperor, and if you're put on the throne, I'll go away, pinky promise. So John loudly starts saying how he should be emperor, and if I'm emperor, Bayezid would leave the city. The siege would be lifted. And this was very tempting to many in the capital. People are starving to death. This has been going on for years now. Uh, mm. Life is tough. And what, all we need is a different guy in charge. Well, who cares which Paleologos is pretend emperor to the man who's actually in charge? Yeah, fine, swap, and then we can eat. 
So Manuel found himself yet again in a besieged city turning against him. Well, it's hard to be positive when you're besieged. Yeah, exactly. But he was able to hold out three years into the siege. Nothing had changed. Manuel started to write to the kings of the West once more, asking for help. I know last time it didn't go too well, but seriously, I need help. The Venetians kept telling Manuel, yes, of course we'll send aid. Soon. Soon. As soon as someone else joins us. We don't want to do it on our own. But anyway, it's definitely coming soon. Uh, The Pope was keen to let him know that his thoughts and prayers were with him, so that was a relief. (laughs) Thank goodness. Uh, King Richard II of England, he yeah. seemed like a nice chap because he promised £3,000. <gasps> yeah, not bad. A lot of money, Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent, thought Manuel. This uh, King, King Richard II of, what's this place? England. Okay. Hmm. Oh, that's nice of him. I'll look forward to that arriving. Um, and what's, <laughs> this, what's this letter? Oh, ooh, King Charles VI of France. Oh, even better. He's going to send some men, not just some cash. So, there we go. He's got some some possible things coming through. Yeah. Uh, uh, actually, only one of them get through. Uh, to be fair, maybe the thoughts and prayers from the Pope got through as well, but they didn't do anything. It was the last one that came to pass, because five years into the siege, a small force of 1,200 French knights broke through the Ottomans and entered the city, and they were led by a man called Marshal Boussicourt. Boussicourt. A very, very cool Frenchman. Uh, he broke through the siege and entered the city. Uh, I, Bonjour, monsieur. I mean, he wasn't much, but it was something. Uh, Boussacour met with Manuel in one of the coolest meetings ever. And now we are sieged with you as well. A very cool meeting where they talked to each other in cool accents for a while. Anyway, Boussacour was uh, a professional military man, unlike Manuel. Uh, and he went and had a look around with his... Military eye. Just to, <laughs> Clipboard. Ooh, yeah. I want to that. Ooh, just, no. just to get a sense of how things are going. Uh, he realised two things fairly quickly. Uh, number one, the city was f- <laughs> uh, Number two, they needed support. These were his military opinions. Yeah, excellent. That's good. Which uh, actually kind of tallied with what Manuel had been thinking for quite some time. That's good. Reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying as my previous assessment was right. <laughs> uh, oui, monsieur. It is <laughs> merde. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Boussica told Manuel that uh, what you need to do is you need to personally go west and ask for help. Like your father did. Sending the letters isn't working. You've got a striking bearing. You come across like a decent guy, Manuel. I mean, it's hard to put a finger on it. You're just cool. So if you go personally, I think you'll be able to get more success than these letters. I Man- agree. Manuel agreed with this, uh, but there's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I am cool. Uh, but he needs someone to lead the city when he's gone, and there isn't anyone. If he left, the supporters of John Seven would be able to put John on the throne and John would give the city over to the Ottomans immediately. Okay, that is a problem. Boussacour, however, had an idea. How about, radical I know, he said, why don't you put John Seven in charge when you're gone? Manuel probably said something along the lines of, but that's what we're trying to avoid, isn't it? Well, Busco uh, points out that if you unite with your nephew first, unify the factions in the city, then he won't give it up to the Ottomans, because you'll be one unified faction. Now, details are slim, but somehow the French knight managed to get nephew and uncle to patch up their differences. 
Now, the mm. two men don't trust each other. As covered <laughs> last time, they end up adopting each other's children just in a vague attempt to force some kind of bond between them. Uh, they don't like each other, they don't <laughs> trust each other, but Manuel's got little choice. It's do or die time. I'll adopt your child, but I'm not looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> well, John's invited into the city. Uh, they make up, they have a ceremony. John is put in charge, and Manuel, in December of 1399, leaves the capital, telling his nephew, you are not allowed to sell out the empire to the Ottomans the moment I turn around the corner. Is that clear? <laughs> Don't be your father. What's he not allowed to do? Oh, well, you still have the, yes. the Ottoman Empire when you go. Now, last episode, we stayed with John Seven and covered how, despite not liking his uncle, he did not give in to Bayezid, much to many people's su- yeah. surprise, and he kept the siege going. This time, <laughs> however, we follow Manuel on his tour. To begin with, he took his wife and his two young sons, to Moria, to his brother, Theodore. Uh, the two sons at this time, by the way, is John, John Eight, and a boy called Theodore. You don't need to worry too much about him. His, his wife and his children go and stay with his brother in Moria. Manuel did not trust his family staying behind in Constantinople, yeah. being besieged with a nephew he didn't trust. So once his family was safe, he then carries on to Venice. Now, the idea was to go to Paris and to talk with the French king, because it was Charles VI of France who had actually offered some support. Boussacourt immediately headed to Paris to prep the arrival of the Roman Emperor, whereas Manuel headed there slowly. It's going to take his time. He was going to work through some Italian cities, including Milan, to try and gather some support there. Now, if Manuel was expecting his arrival to be like that of his father's, he was pleasantly surprised. When his father went west, he was treated with pretty much contempt and then imprisoned until he handed over cash. Uh, however, things, things had changed somewhat in the west. Although they would not have known it at the time, the Renaissance had started. Ooh. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> so, someone Do you found... think it was like a, a day and night kind of thing? It's like nighttime, medieval, dark ages? I think someone found a button in a cellar somewhere. Yeah. But, <laughs> just a switch. Medieval yeah. Renaissance. I wonder what this does. Click. <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. Looks out the wow. window, Da Vinci just flies past in a helicopter. <laughs> um, <laughs> good times. I mean, obviously, we're, we're very early on. Uh, this is the, certainly not the heights of Renaissance. Um, but, uh, the early Renaissance, you th- could say. Things, yeah, you could call it that, yeah. Uh, things are starting, should we say. Greek culture, suddenly very in fashion in the cities of Italy. Uh, Manuel was treated as a wise and cultured emperor, bravely defending the Greek Roman Empire. Uh, he would have been guest of honour wherever he went. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's just the Roman Empire. <laughs> yes. Yes, the Greek Roman Empire is all inspired by the Greeks. They're amazing, don't you know? <laughs> but we are Roman. Greek Roman, yes. Yes, yes, yes. He would have been guest of honour uh, wherever he went. It helped, apparently, that he had, as I've already mentioned, but maybe you thought I was just joking because what we've been saying, he, he has quite an imposing figure. Uh, he was large-chested. Oh, yeah. yeah, he had, oh, yes. apparently he had an impressive white beard. I can only assume that that is a Ooh. translation error to uh, from impressive moustache. Small black moustache. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's easy done in the ancient Greek. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, <laughs> he was also said to be impressive in his communication. Uh, I'm taking that to mean he sounded cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as, as much as we have been 
joking, apparently he did have quite a bit of charisma. So he was liked where he went. And wherever he went, he made two things clear. One, Constantinople needs help. And two, no, I'm not about to become Catholic in order to get it. I'm Orthodox. (laughs) I'm fighting for the Orthodox Christian capital of the world to save my way of life. And you guys, as fellow Christians, are going to help me. Uh, This approach, very different to his father's, which was, yeah, Mm. of course I'll become a Catholic, actually seemed to gain him some respect. Mm. Which, again, kind of shows that uh, a lot of his charisma is doing the work for him. Rather him coming across as belligerent, he just comes across as uh, strong-minded. Anyway, he slowly goes to Paris. It takes him six months to get there. But he does. He gets to Paris, Jamie. And he was greeted by cheering crowds of over 2,000 people when he gets there. uh, Yeah, he's making quite a splash on his tour. Is this Uh, the first time we've mentioned Paris? No, but it's been a very long time. If I remember correctly, and I certainly haven't looked this up, the last time we would have mentioned Paris as a city was right at the start of Paris being a city back in Julian's episode. If Julian. I remember correctly, oh, wow. if I remember correctly, Julian was posted in Paris for a while. Okay. Before he was emperor, I think back nice. when you were finding him particularly annoying. Oh yeah, Julian! Oh bloody Julian! Yeah. Yeah, bloody Julian! Yeah. Bloody Julian. <laughs> but we might have mentioned Paris since that. Uh, that is just yeah. off the top of my head. Um, but and this, this, this is back in the day as well, where the Eiffel Tower is made of wood. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say this is a uh, this is a very different Paris to when we last saw it. Uh, the mm. The Eiffel Tower's word, uh, the, the Louvre is there. Mm. Uh, th- that is actually there. Um, so there are recognisable things in Paris when he goes there uh, that you can the point Arc at. The Triumph? Obviously uh, pre-revolution. <laughs> uh, it was there, but it was also wood as well. Yeah, lots of, lot of, lots of wooden structures. Just placeholders for now. <laughs> we'll put something there at some point. We've not decided yeah. what. Anyway, so uh, he meets Charles VI of France. And he is treated as a guest of honour in Paris, just as he was in Italy. Uh, He was set up in the French capital, and he used this as a launching pad to contact all the other kings of the West. Starts writing off to everyone. Uh, He wrote to the kings of Castile and Aragon. He also contacted the king of England. Richard II promised me £3,000. I know he's no longer king, but maybe you guys could still pay up that £3,000, I was wondering. He wrote. He's so helpful. Yeah. To whom it may concern, whoever's king at the moment. I, I heard <laughs> Richard II's no longer there. Anyway, all this took a while, and in the meantime, Manuel got used to life in the French royal court and all its finery. Now, Paris obviously was less impressive than Constantinople in terms of architecture, massive cathedrals, etc., etc. But it was more impressive in some ways because Constantinople was a city in decline and Mm. Paris was one on the rise. So uh, Manuel was more impressed than he thought he was going to be. He thought he was on the fringes of civilization, and he was pleasantly surprised. Uh, however... Not, ba- not bad. So something dampened his spirits slightly, or just dampened Rain. the mood of the trip, yeah. uh, because uh, Charles VI had gone mad. Oh. 
Yeah, that halted things somewhat. Uh, this wasn't a new thing for Charles. Uh, he was Charles VI, but he was also known as Charles the Mad. Uh, for the last eight years, he'd been suffering from something that affected his mental capabilities. Uh, back in 1393, he forgot his own name and didn't know he was king for a while. In 95, he declared he was St. George himself, and he didn't recognise his wife and children. Very much like our own Justin II, if you remember, his aides yeah. literally bricked up areas of the palace to keep him from wandering. Uh, and at times, Charles thought he was a lion. <gasps> he was an animal as well. Oh. He was an animal as well. It's very similar to the stories we get of Justin too. So I, he did have large periods of being very lucid uh, and had been doing all right for a while. But just after Manuel visited, he, he lapsed again. So uh, someone took Manuel to one side and suggested, maybe why don't you go and see some of these kings you've been writing to? Uh, because you're not going to get anything sensible out of Charles for a while. So, Manuel has a look at these uh, kings that he's been writing to. Who should I go and visit? Um, that £3,000 is still really bugging me. I'd really like that £3,000. Maybe, maybe I'll pop over to England and visit the king there. By yeah. this time, he'd found out who the king was. It's King Henry IV. Ah! Oh. King Henry IV, that's who it is. So, uh, Manuel, in December of 1400, crosses the Channel and lands in Dover. Oh! <gasps> We're in England, Jamie. This is so cool. Yeah, we're in yeah. England. Two days later, he was in Canterbury. Oh, Canterbury. He was in Canterbury. I was in Canterbury two days ago, Jamie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Was it two days? No, it's long ago. But anyway, a few days ago, I was in Canterbury. Did, did, did you see my back there soon. No, but I did look around to see if I could see any evidence that he was there. <laughs> any guitars lying around? Uh, didn't see Cigarette any guitars. Uh, the cathedral, however... Um, that is in Canterbury. Canterbury Cathedral is the same cathedral that was there when Manuel went there, so he would have... That's cool. Yeah, he, he definitely went and saw the cathedral while he was there, so... Probably went in it. Yeah, yeah. No, no he, well, he, he did. He stayed oh, with... He did? Uh, yeah, oh. he stayed... As far as we can tell, he stayed just off-site of the cathedral, somewhere near it. Uh, and That's there's cool. no way he wouldn't have gone in the cathedral. Of, it was... <laughs> the only thing to do in Canterbury so <laughs> uh, yeah so he, he did that he stayed there for a few days and then it was off to London to meet with Henry the fourth and Manuel was very impressed with what he saw he was treated well uh, feasts were put on uh, entertainment a tawny was held we're very medieval here this is medieval England we actually have a letter that he wrote in London Manuel wrote glowingly of King Henry, using words to describe him that he'd only ever used to describe his brother Theodore. He thought Henry was a really oh. good egg. <laughs> that, that was the word. He, through a translator, asked Henry about the £3,000. Uh, Henry said that he would inquire what his predecessor had done. And I, I'll get back to you, don't worry. Uh, according to Henry, <laughs> Richard had indeed paid the £3,000, but the money was last accounted for in Genoa. But fear not, said Henry, we're going to track that money down, we're going to get it for you. And then he did a wink, and Manuel said, oh, the English, I like. This, is, this sounds like we're trying to ring a company to get the money <laughs> It does a little bit. Oh yes, oh yes, oh, it's now been transferred to Venice. I, I do get the <laughs> impression that uh, Henry maybe was just saying, oh yes, no, we definitely paid, but it got lost, but don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we'll find still it, we'll find it. Okay. Yeah, um, and also we'll provide you with men to defend Constantinople, of course. Manuel was mm. very happy, and like I say, we've got the letter. Uh, I'll quote mm. her. <gasps> can, 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 can we mess up the Jeff stories a bit? Go on, then. 
English Jeff. Oh, there's been an English Jeff for, for quite some time. A lost, lost line of Jeffs. Yeah. Ah, rediscovered. Yeah. They're, they're Jeffs, but they've slowly um, anglified and they are spout G-E-O-F-F. And they have just become <laughs> yeah. fairly competent butlers. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, As in they can stand up straight and not drop mugs too Yeah, often. but fairly competent in Jeff universe terms. Yeah. Yeah. They, they can hold the doors yeah. open if they lean against them slightly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but cool. I, yeah, <laughs> hold the doors open in the same way that a doorstop can. Yeah. Ah, door wedge Jeff. <laughs> well done. Anyway, Manuel was uh, very pleased in London. He wrote to a friend. A large number of letters have come to us from all over bearing excellent and wonderful promises, but most important is the ruler with whom we are now staying, the King of Britain, the Great. The king of a second civilized world, you might say, who abounds in so such good qualities, and is adorned with all sorts of virtues. Although he has gone to extremes in all he has done for us, he seems almost to blush in the belief, in this he is alone, that he may have fallen considerably short of what he should do for us. This is how magnanimous the man is. So, yeah, uh, Manuel... Really gets on with Henry. Two of them don't speak yeah. the same language. Uh, have to speak for a translator. Oh. Um, she thinks a bit of awkward laughing, but she's like, the translator's uh, actually translating the laughter. Yes, your wife. She is very beautiful. <laughs> yeah, things like that. Why? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So, a grateful Manuel um, gave Henry a gift. A piece of the seamless tunic of Christ. There you go. Have a relic. People loved relics back then. Here's a bit of tunic of Christ. Be careful with it. One of a kind. Oh, I, I see, Manuel. It, it, it's, your shirt seems to be missing a, a square shape. This, this fabric that says... Made in Constantinople. <laughs> well, Henry um, was very pleased with seamless tunic of Christ. It's the thought that counts. Yes, yes, it's the thought. Well, that he immediately cut it into two and gave half of it to the Archbishop of Canterbury. Yeah, okay. Who immediately cut his piece in two and started giving bits out. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Pound a piece. <laughs> Everyone ended up with a thread of the tunic of Christ. It was great. Uh, anyway, you, you have you, how you could keep going like cutting in half until you get to like the atoms. Well, yeah, you keep going forever. Mm. It's it's just endless. So, uh, anyway, where were we? Manuel's in London. That's what he's doing. He spends time seeing the sights. Uh, London Bridge. That's there then. Oh, Tower of cool. London. That's there then. Westminster yeah. Hall. That's there then. It's got a brand new Westminster roof. Westminster Hall. Westminster Hall. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Westminster Hall. Obviously, the uh, the rest of the Houses of Parliament built way, yeah. way afterwards. Uh, but Westminster Hall itself survived. It's about a thousand years old now. It survived for a very long time. Wow. Um, the roof has just been redone, and it's now the largest hall in Europe at this time. Cool. So it would have been very impressive when he went to go and see it. Yeah, yeah he stayed two months. So he did all that. He did the Jack the Ripper tour. Uh, <laughs> Man Two Swords. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Oh, the, um, what's it called? Dungeon, London Dungeons as well. Yes, London Dungeons. People kept jumping out of him. Uh, <laughs> oh. Arms falling off, blood spurting everywhere. Not makeup. This was just medieval no, London. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, anyway. Oh, did, you, did you do like an open rooftop tour? Yes, definitely. 
on a horse, like great. open horse tour. Oh, that was brilliant. I had a great time. Did you get one of those I Love London t-shirts as well? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a bit tacky, you thought, but you know what? He's only going to be in London once, so yeah. why not? He's got to have something yeah. on the display cabinet. He, he found the worst fridge magnet he could find and sent it back <laughs> to John Seven. So, Thinking of you. <laughs> so anyway, he stays for two months, like I say, and then it's back to Paris. It really doesn't feel like we're doing a Roman Emperor episode, does it? No, this is no. like a tour. Yeah. Uh, back to Paris uh, with what's he got in his pocket? That's right, Jamie. £3,000. Yay! Hey. They somehow found it in Genoa <laughs> and brought it back. Yeah, somehow. It's fine. Though. We found it sorted. It's all good. Administrative error. He goes, and everyone in London goes, oh, thank God for that. That was expensive, wasn't it? And, and we said we were going to send lots of men. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Promises of aid were given. Back in Paris, Manuel is writing to all the other kings of the West. Uh, He starts to feel more optimistic. But as the months wear on, it becomes clearer and clearer to Manuel that wherever he went, he was treated well and promises were given. But that's all they were. Promises. Words. Months turned into a year in Paris. He'd been gone for nearly two by this point, and he was no closer to returning with an avenging army. And every day that passed was more danger from the Ottomans and from John, who he didn't trust. So at this point, he writes to John, admitting that the English, who were his best hope, were still in no position to help. He spent his time writing in Paris, uh, a lot of which still survives. Theology it was his main concern. He, he does lots of stuff around theology. You get the impression that if he wasn't the emperor, he probably would have been quite happy to retire in Paris and get on with his writing. He seems to be having a nice time. I mean, he still could. Yeah. There's nothing stopping him. Well, I mean, he feels like he's got a job to do, though. He feels like he's he's got a job to do and he's failing. However, there is some encouragement. Uh, Rumours from the East start to filter into the West. It started when he was back in London and then become uh, more when he goes back to Paris. Apparently, the King of the Turks has been killed. This can only mean one thing. The King of the Turks, that's, that's got to be the Ottoman Sultan. Bayezid's dead. Okay, I... I mean, this is great if true, but Manuel was very cautious. News is obviously very unreliable at such a distance. So what's really going on in the East? Is Bayezid dead, do you think? No, of course not. Well, it's complex, and I'm going to simplify it. <laughs> I mean, it's a yes or a no, that's quite simple. <laughs> okay, uh, no, he's not. Okay. Uh, but uh, let me let me just catch you up with what has been going on in the East, shall I? Okay. Uh, I'm going to simplify this. I'm going to brush over a lot because it's not really important to the story of the Roman Empire, but you do kind of need to know some of it. So, the Ottoman Sultan, Bayezid, has been besieging Constantinople, yes? Yes. Yes. Good. But that's not all. He's also consolidating all his empire in Anatolia, going from strength to strength, getting stronger and stronger. He's also got lots of land in Europe by this point. And because of this, especially the getting stronger in Anatolia... Bayezid had caught the attention of a man who we have not mentioned in this podcast and yet has been around for a while, and this is Timur, also known as Tamburlaine. Now, Timur was 64 and is a legend in his time, and still one to this day. Uh, He claimed to be a descendant of Genghis Khan, and for the last 40 years, he had been doing a very good job at trying to rebuild the Mongol Empire of a hundred years previously. So who is this Timur? Uh, Born into relatively humble origins as part of a Turkish-Mongol tribe, uh, he became a military leader where roughly Afghanistan is today. 
That's where he was. He went from strength to strength, rose through the ranks he did, until he was ruling over what became known as the Timurid Empire, which covered modern Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Central Asia, and the Caucasus. This is a huge empire. In other words, this is the major power in the East, just as the Parthians and the Persians and the Caliphate used to be. Well, he's probably got the biggest empire in the world at the time, surely. It's rivaling one of the most powerful consolidated empires, definitely, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you've you've got to go, like, off to China. It's, It's definitely bigger than any of the empires in Europe at this time, because Europe has turned into small little warring kingdoms. Now, the Ottomans obviously have taken on the role in our narrative of being the danger in the East, but that's only really because the Roman Empire shrunk so much. But beyond the Ottomans is this powerful empire. So anyway, Timur first came up against the Ottomans ten years previously. A small emirate on the right side of Anatolia, afraid of Bayezid's rapid rise in the area, had gone to Timur for protection. Shortly after this, Bayezid had demanded that this emirate become a vassal state, just as Bayezid had been doing with the Romans. However, Timur heard of this and was insulted. How dare you demand one of my vassals to be one of your vassals? So Timur took a force into Ottoman territory and razed a city to the ground, slaughtering everyone who lived there. Just like that overnight. Absolutely flattened the city. That's quite a statement. (laughs) Oh, yes. And with that warning in place, he just turned around and left. (laughs) That's confidence. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Just left left a note on like a burning bit of timber. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lovely place. Three stars. (laughs) (laughs) Would raise again. (laughs) The the warning is definitely put in place. Uh, Essentially, Bezid, you might think you're Mr. Big bossing around all those people in the Balkans, but don't think about expanding in this direction. Keep your eyes pointed that way, and we won't have any problems. Yeah. So this is the tale that had reached London and Paris. Uh, One of Bezid's sons was involved in the raising of that city, so it's probably his son being caught up, uh, which snowballed into the tale of the Turkish king being killed. Uh, So Bezid is alive... But, ooh, there's there's problems for him. So, the news comes through to Manuel. Yeah, Bayezid's not dead. Manuel was disappointed, but it's, it's not all bad news. Bayezid's got far bigger problems than the Roman Empire. Maybe, just maybe, fingers crossed, he'd leave them alone soon. And, sure enough, this is what happens. Bayezid was outraged that uh, Timur had flattened one of his cities, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, he oh, yeah. saw... Timur as a barbarian. He was a lowly upstart. He wasn't from royal stock. Who was this awful human being who thinks he's powerful? He, he got lucky, that's all. But Allah is on his side, not Timur's. I, I, have, I have God behind me, so I will be victorious. So, Bezid, let that be known. I don't care that you flatten one my city. You need to stay out of the Turkish Empire don't come in here again. Uh, Tamir hears of this, immediately gathers all his forces, right, we're going back again, and in July of 1402, the Mongol and the Turkish forces meet near Ankara. This is a huge battle, and very decisive. By the end of the battle, Bayezid and four of his sons have had to flee the battlefield, their forces oh. crushed. Oh dear. The sons escape 
but the Sultan, Bayezid himself, was captured and taken to Timur. And it is said that Timur kept him alive for at least a year. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, parading him around Anatolia as he tore everything up, just ripping apart everything that Bayezid had spent his life creating. The Ottoman Empire, absolutely shattered. Uh, In Anatolia, it becomes uh, just a smouldering wreck. The land that they had in Europe is now just leaderless, rudderless. It's overnight, that's it. The the Ottomans are gone. Uh, Timur soon becomes bored of just absolutely gutting the empire, so he heads off to invade China. Hooray! Why not? Why not? And there he leaves our story. Uh, unfortunately, he dies a couple of years later before he can really invade oh. China. But yes, he, he was <gasps> quite a character, he was. Maybe That's had a, a running sh- with a panda bear. Yes, probably. They were vicious back then. <laughs> uh, a lot less lazy. Yeah. More reproductive. <laughs> Got swarmed by them. Just, just, just <laughs> like, drop, like drop bears in Australia, just drop out the trees and Yes, it's awful. You. Swarm you like locusts. It was awful. Uh, So we'll leave Tamar being swarmed by pandas. Um, But we're we're doing Manuel. So let's go back to Manuel. Manuel hears of this and brilliant. Okay, I can go home then. I don't need to be raising troops in Western Europe. Back to the capital. So he heads back to Constantinople and he finds his nephew has already dealt with the aftermath of the destruction of the Ottomans. Understandably, he had to deal with it. His nephew had sided with Suleiman. Suleiman was Bayezid's oldest son and was now claiming to be sultan. And Suleiman had agreed that Constantinople no longer had to pay an annual tribute and also they could have Thessalonica back. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, this was... This was great. <laughs> We're an empire again! Yeah. Uh, Solomon all... was going to rule from Adrianople uh, and try and rebuild an incredibly weak Ottoman Empire. Uh, but the the Romans, hooray, yeah, like you say, we're, we're, we're expanding again. And our biggest threat has been destroyed. Manuel probably couldn't believe his luck. And also, John Seven didn't revolt. Mm. Yeah, much to Manuel's relief. Uh, it was agreed that John would go to Thessalonica and he would rule it. Nice. Yeah. So, Manuel unpacks all his stuff, puts his little wooden replica rifle tower and Tower of London up in his bedroom. Nice. Yeah. Um, and Gives out the fridge magnets. Yes. Uh, and then he looks around. Uh, okay, right. What do I need to do? Let's sort out the city. It's uh, a bit of a mess. Uh, but also, the land that we've got back under control, it's not just Thessalonica, the city. It's a fair bit of the right side of that triangle has been given back to them. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that they're going to be able to, like, actually have continuous land down to Moria again. This is, like, decent land back in the Empire. I mean, I say decent. For the time, it's decent anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's good. So he starts just working on ruling uh, and trying to improve things. As he's doing this, a couple of deaths occur. His beloved brother, Theodore, dies in Moria. That was sad. And then John Seven dies, which wasn't sad. Oh, oh, what a shame. (laughs) I shall grieve him. Finished. (laughs) Party time. (laughs) However, uh, obviously, Manuel's not going to be able to just get on with ruling uh, undisturbed for long. The Ottomans are not going to be quiet forever. Uh, Bayezid's sons were competing to take over the throne and had started to plot against each other. Five, in fact, brothers in total. Uh, Do you want to make a note of these? 
We've already mentioned Solomon, the oldest brother. He is sultan at the moment. But there's also Issa, Mehmed, and Musa. They're the other three brothers. And also, unknown to any of them at the time, is someone called Mustafa, who uh, claims that he's also a son of Bayezid, but he's sort of unknown at this point. So there's five sons of Bayezid. Solomon, Issa, Mehmed, Musa, and Mustafa. They are all going to fight each other to see who's going to become the next sultan. Place your bets. If you're listening, who do you think is going to come out on top? If you don't know, and Jamie, who are you going to choose? Who are you putting your money behind? Either Solomon, so I think he's the oldest, he's got more experience. He is already sultan, so he's coming from a position of power. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I don't think it's Mustafa. I think he was someone like, hey, look, it's me, then die almost instantly. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. Almost as soon as he walks out of a door. Like right, just a bit okay. of wood drops on his head, unconscious, stabbed. So I, I'm, I'm going to say Solomon comes out on top. You're going to go for Solomon. Okay. And your second guess, just in case he doesn't? Uh, Issa. Because okay. that's the second name you said. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, okay. The first move in this war of succession was by Mehmet. He killed Issa. Okay, he's out of the picture then. He's out of the picture. Mehmet ordered him to be strangled. So, there you go. Strangulation death. Cross him off. And he's gone. Yeah. Then Musa declares war on Solomon. This war lasts six years. Manuel was more than happy to watch the Ottomans fight against each other whilst he was getting on with trying to rebuild his empire. Uh, However, Manuel's not a fool, as we know. He realised eventually one of these brothers is going to end up on top, and he needs to use this time to build the empire's power up. So he continues to write to the West for support, with the usual results of, yes, of course we'll send help, soon as something happens that makes us actually do it. Uh, But more practically, he started looking into how to fortify Moria. Uh, He was worried that the Ottomans, now that they've only really got decent land in Europe, once they organise themselves, are going to sweep down into the bottom of the triangle and take the only land that they have that's not Thessalonica and Constantinople. Hmm. So, plans for a wall to cut off the south of modern Greece were made. You know how that southern bit of Greece is just... The pointy yeah, it's just got a narrow bit of land uh, yeah. that attaches it. Well, we could build a wall across that, he thought. So they, they make a plan to do that. Uh, eventually, this wall is built pretty much overnight, by the way. It's a quite impressive feat of engineering. Well, it's a very small bit of land. It's like three feet across. It's fine. <laughs> really annoyed the landowners in the area, though, because they had to pay for it. But <laughs> it's it... halfway through my farm. <laughs> but it's it... that farmer from earlier. <laughs> yes. He ended up moving out, new farmland, <laughs> new carrots, then suddenly... Bloody wall through his farm. <laughs> my carrots! Meanwhile, whilst all this is going on, the war between Solomon and Musa came to an end. Musa attacked Adrianople, taking Solomon by surprise. So Solomon <gasps> writes to Manuel asking for aid. Manuel Ooh. sends troops. How yeah. the tables have turned. That's oh yeah, definitely. Manuel sends troops. He wants Solomon in charge. Solomon is the one who agreed they could have Thessalonica and that they could stop paying the money. Solomon is a soft touch. They want Solomon. So they send troops to support the Ottoman leader who had been so generous to them, but it wasn't enough. Musa won and had Solomon strangled. Oh no, my so two, guesses off. <laughs> two guesses went <laughs> first. Go on, who are you going to guess next? I, I, I rescind my first point of Mustafa rocking up and going, I'm the emperor. You're, you're going to go for Mustafa, okay. I'm going to go for Mustafa now. <laughs> right. So, Musa is now the leader. 
and he is no Solomon. Uh, Musa came from a faction who thought that Solomon had given far too much to the Roman Empire, and they wanted to take it back. They were the hardliners. And Musa wasted no time. He gathered troops, and he marched on Constantinople. Another siege begins overnight. However, this isn't like the earlier sieges. Manuel had not wasted the previous few years, and the city was ready. They weren't going to be caught out, like at the start of his reign, where he was dealing with the aftermath of his father's reign. The city had enough provisions. No one was going hungry this time. They had enough ships to keep the sea lanes open. They'd fortified the walls enough that Musa had to keep a distance. Uh, this... This was looking much better than last time. Still, Musa sent in demands anyway. Uh, surrender and start paying the annual tribute again. That's all I want. S pay the annual tribute and then I'll leave you alone. Manuel stalled for time uh, because once Musa had set up the siege, Manuel set his plan in action. He did a Henry IV. Oh, yeah, no, we sent it. We sent it ages ago. It just got <laughs> waylaid in Genoa. Sorry. <laughs> Those bloody Genoans. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, no, he'd sent off uh, a letter to Anatolia where Mehmed was. Oh, oh, oh okay. One of the other brothers. Yes, he's the one yeah. that strangled Issa, wasn't he? Uh, yes, absolutely right. Why don't you come and defeat your brother Musa? He's right here. Manuel. Big open field. It's great. Yeah. I'll help you, and then you can be in charge of the Ottomans. Mehmed wrote back saying, I'm listening. Uh, so he was invited to the capital, uh, even though... <laughs> through, through the siege. Well, uh, they had the, uh, the yeah. sea open because they, yeah. they prepared this time. So, yeah, he was able to go into the capital. Uh, Mehmed was entertained for three days. For three days, he was told how he couldn't lose. He was really pepped up. Uh, and <laughs> after those three days... <laughs> Apparently, so he just thought about the, the thing on his own. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Naked with two swords. <laughs> well, After three I, days of drinking and when, drugs. When I first read this, I assumed he went back after agreeing to fight his brother and prepared. But no, apparently, after three days, he left the city with 15,000 men, who I can only assume were lent to him. Uh, <laughs> And yes, I'd like to think with two swords in hand, shirtless, <laughs> just screaming. Um, yeah, he lost. Yeah. Arrow through the nipple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. Or if he did, he had tough nipples and it bounced off. He managed to escape. He was oh, not okay. killed. Uh, soon enough, Manuel was encouraging him to link up with the Serbians and then attack his brother again. Okay, that didn't work. But there's some Serbians who don't like your brother. I've already given you 15,000 men, um, but yeah, come on, you can do this. So, more pep this talks. This will definitely work. <laughs> yeah, lots more pep talks. Late night karaoke to build up his confidence, things like that. <laughs> a few shots. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, and soon enough, a new force was put together, and Mehmed attacks his brother. He loses again. Yeah. But the third time, Jamie, the third time, you can do it this time. Yeah, just drink the whole bottle, he'd be fine. <laughs> Come on. And this one worked. Third time, the siege is broken. Musa is driven off the city. Uh, the two brothers then fight each other in a short war. Long story short here, Musa loses. Oh. And, as it's becoming traditional with this family, Mehmed strangled. had him strangled. Hey, yes. Brilliant. So there we go. Mehmed is now the sultan. I wouldn't have predicted him. No. Uh, he was appreciative of Manuel's support, uh, and once he had won this war and became sultan, he sent word to Manuel, 
Uh, he said to the, the messengers, uh, quote, Go and say to the emperor of the Romans that I shall be his subject, a son to a father, for he will find me neither unaware or ungrateful. Let him order me to do his bidding, and I shall with the greatest of pleasure execute his wishes like a servant. That's very kind. Very kind. Uh, essentially saying, yeah, I'll be a vassal state to the Romans. This this is looking really yeah. good. Manuel is, is playing the Ottoman princes off each other, and he is getting results. Almost like what they did to him originally. Oh, the tables have turned so much. Yeah. This is the opposite of how he came to power. Do you, th- do you think they did a symbolic table turning in the, in the palace? I right, think... Everyone grab one, one corner. So it's a circle. Well, grab, a, grab an edge. I think Manuel just leaned back in his chair, put his feet up on the table, and then just gave his heel a quick flick, and the table just spun. I think that's how oh. it worked. Yes. And then, then he just put, held a match to the spinning table, match lit, cigarette. Yeah. Manuel is uh, ageing by this point, so his... Uh, He's still, yeah, but in a really cool way. Oh, in a really cool silver fox kind of way. That yeah. moustache is... It's, it's a silver moustache now, but it's just as cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah his, his flamenco guitar's looking a little bit worse for wear, but... <gasps> like Trigger. Like Trigger? If you're, you're a guitar fan and you're hearing this, you know what I mean. Okay, you know fair I mean. Don't, don't tell Rob. Don't tell Rob. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he just plucks away on his guitar whilst uh, everything falls into place. Excellent. So he carries on rolling for a bit. Peace descends of as close to as possible for a while. He works on fortifying areas. He goes on a tour of his land. Uh, the wall that was planned before is built at this point. His son, John Eight is now old enough to be left in charge of the capital, so he is left in charge of the capital. Uh, meanwhile, by the way, Bayezid's final son, Mustafa, who, like I say, may not have been a son. He claimed he was a son, but he certainly wasn't a close family member. He was a long-lost son. Uh, anyway, hmm. he suddenly pops up. I'm the son of Bayezid, he said. I'm the true sultan. And after a series of events that we don't have time to get into, he was captured in Thessalonica. So the Romans have him. So Manuel has two options. He either hands Mustafa over to Mehmet, or he keeps Mustafa as a prisoner, just in case. What's he going to do? Keep him just in case. And that's exactly what he does. He writes to Mehmet and says, I'm not going to give him to you, but I'll keep him under lock and key. Don't worry. He cannot harm your sultan's ship. You are still sultan. So this is Manuel just letting Mehmet know who's actually in charge here. Yeah. And just having a spare sultan in the back pocket. That's useful, isn't it? Yeah, it's grander, yeah. Yeah. Do you think he'll forget? And it's like finding a £5 note. He's like, oh, didn't realize I had this. Brilliant. <laughs> Let's spend this now. <laughs> Excellent. Quick, wake him up. Oh, no, we really did forget about him, didn't we? Oh, dear. Oh, oh he's <laughs> okay, got all give gooey. Him a drink. Give him a drink. <laughs> Yeah, uh, as you can imagine, Mehmed wasn't best pleased about this, but it does seem like the two men actually got on well enough, personally, uh, and no lasting damage was done. So, there you go, this is just Manuel showing up uh, some political capital here. Yeah. Right, by this point, Manuel's getting old, like I say. Uh, He was passing more and more of the Empire's dealings to his son, John VIII. Uh, John gets married and is crowned co-emperor formally, and Manuel starts to step back from his duties. Uh, Because of this, we start to see a rift in the policies towards the Ottomans, however. Uh, Manuel trusted Mehmet to keep the peace. His son John did not. The more John took over, the more harsh the empire were with the Ottomans. 
At one point, Mehmed asked to pass through the capital whilst he was passing from Anatolia into Europe lands. And Manuel gave him permission. Yeah, of course you can come through. John, however, went to his father and went, this is the perfect opportunity to ambush him. We could ambush him, and then we would have the Ottoman Sultan in our power. Manuel looked at his son and just went, no, no, we, we have made a, a pact of truce between our empires. It's working. Mm. Let's not rock the boat. So he refused to listen, and Mehmed passed through the capital unharmed. However, shortly after, Mehmed died very suddenly. It's not clear how. His aides keep it hidden for a while because they don't want anyone to know in the outside world, but it's either a hunting accident or poison. But it's suspicious, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that it was a hunting accident, he had 18 arrows in his back. <laughs> whilst well, carrying a glass of poison juice. News reaches Constantinople. We can only guess Manuel's reaction to this and whether he blamed his son, we just don't know. Uh, either way, he wanted to recognise Murad II as the next sultan. This is Mehmed's son. Okay, succession can pass on. We will recognise Murad II. Murad II was more than happy with this. Okay, I'll carry on doing what my father did. We'll carry on. However, John... Eight has a better plan. He goes to his father. Why don't we use Mustafa? Remember we've got Mustafa in the south still? Why don't we use him and get them to fight each other? We'll release Mustafa, give him some men. He can fight Mora too. It will weaken the Ottomans. Just like they did to us for years. Just like you did with the older brothers. Let's carry on doing that. Good plan? But we don't need to do this. <laughs> well, My Manuel... Son. By this you point, hurt me, my son. <laughs> Manuel, by this point, was too old to argue. Um, John Eight uh. has the power <laughs> in the court. Uh, Manuel doesn't like the idea, but Mustafa is released. He is given support. Mustafa sets off against Morat too, who instantly destroys Mustafa. At least one of your predictions was correct. <laughs> yes! <laughs> she yes. steps out the door. I'm free! Arrow <laughs> to the face. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Mustafa's dead, so none of the sons of Bayezid really win, but you could argue Mehmed was the ultimate winner because it's his son who becomes the sultan eventually. And uh, Murad II is uh, furious, shall we say, with the empire. You betrayed me. You said that I could be the next sultan, and now you have just betrayed me. You tried to have me killed. And Murad II was not messing about. He was a, a go-get-them kind of sultan. <laughs> he was enraged that the empire dared to try and take his birthright from him. So he raises a force and he marches on the capital. Yet another siege. And this siege was a serious siege. Murad II was not <laughs> messing about. Uh, it, this was not like the last siege, which was an attempt to get the empire to pay an annual tribute. This siege was designed for one thing and one thing only to break the city and to end the empire an immense rampart was built parallel to the walls of the city slave traders were called to be ready because once the wow. city fell everyone was going to be sold into slavery they were going to utterly gut this place and raise it to the ground Mehmed too was not messing about manuel meanwhile old manuel barely keeping it together He's just slowly 
reading old love letters that he composed in his youth and strumming on his guitar, looking out the window, and news comes to him. What's going on? He's got one last trick up his sleeve. It's an old trick. It's worked before. Let's see if it works again. <laughs> Is he? Can I, can I guess? Yes. He's going to write some letters. He's going to write a letter, yes. Ooh. Because Murad too had a brother. Now, he was young, Ooh. too young to rule, but Manuel knew people. He knew people in the Ottoman Empire because he'd got on fairly well with Mehmet. So, he wrote to these people in Anatolia, saying, if you can overthrow Murad, then we will support his brother on the throne. And it works. Unrest in the Ottoman Empire, due to this letter, meant that Murad had to lift the siege. But that was the only good news, because Morad soon got a handle on things and then decided rather than try to crack the capital again immediately before he does that, because, oh, he is going to do that. Morad wants to destroy Constantinople. But first, he says, let's take everything from them. Oh, not Thessalonica. Things then happen. But by this point, it's roughly about this time that Manuel suffers a stroke. Uh, he is paralysed, but his mind still works. For the next three years, he's still emperor, but his son is doing the real ruling. So we'll cover what happens in John 8's episode. Uh, but Manuel would have been informed that Thessalonica has indeed fallen. In fact, pretty much everything he has gained in his lifetime has gone back to how it used to be when he first oh. became emperor. And there's a very angry Ottoman sultan about to knock down the gates of Constantinople. And then, in 1425, he was monked a few days before succumbing to an illness and dies. And that is the end of Manuel Dos. That was a good episode. I enjoyed that. Very interesting narrative. Yeah, we're, we're going out on a bit more... A bit more of a... I don't know, it's still falling apart, but in a different way to the West fell apart. Yeah, that was just like a slow whimper that, that went was on for about emperor after years. Puppet Emperor being rubbish, whereas... Yeah. You can see so much potential. There's savvy, there's pol politics, there's a yeah. bit of fighting, but, you know. Yeah. Well, talking of which, let's rate him, shall we? Fightiest Maximus. Okay, I mean, he didn't personally do really anything in the way of fighting as emperor... But don't forget, let's look back at the start of the episode. He was involved in fighting in his youth. He fought for Morad and for Bezid when he was young, because he was forced to, but he was doing fighting. We don't really get any stories of him fighting for the Ottomans. Uh, we do get one small thing. Apparently, he was the first over the wall when fighting against uh, the Philadelphians. But that's almost certainly not true. This was uh, this is yeah, hyperbole being used to highlight the fact that a Roman emperor was fighting for the Ottomans against a Greek city, and all oh, that looks bad, doesn't it? He, he um, probably probably picked up his sword for the first time after like the fourth or fifth day of fighting. Probably, yeah. He's he's a lover, not a fighter. That's what he is. What else did he do, though? Uh, he did get Ceres back for the Empire, remember? Yes. After he'd freed his dad, he came back, realised that Ceres, uh, the, the Serbians didn't hold it very strongly, so he managed to get Ceres back. That's good. Uh, so he did some fighting there. He was in no fewer than four separate sieges in his life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of them lasting years. Uh, the first one, Thessalonica, he had to flee. Didn't do too good there. Uh, the second one, 
He left to get help. If you were unkind, you could say he fled again. Uh, but the last two, he used political manoeuvring to get out of them, and that was actually pretty good. So some political fighting there. Uh, and politically, he just refused to give up. So he, he just kept trying to get support to fight. Most of his rule was just trying to get support to fight the op- Ottomans. He yeah. did not bow down to the Ottomans like his father did. He no. fought, fought, and fought his whole life, yeah. just not giving up. So uh, it's mixed bag, no massive stories. I don't think we can go into high points, but he certainly deserves some. I think so. I, I, I'd give him a health. Because like so much political fighting, I'll give it a healthy five. I think I can't stop between four and five. I'm gonna go five. Okay, I'll match yep. you then. You're gonna match ten. Ten. Atrovium crazium. Okay, we get a lot of detail on Manuel compared to uh, other emperors around this time, and you've got to say he seems like a very sensible guy. Yeah really does. Uh, We've had a run of sensible rulers for a while. We've not had much in the way of crazy, have we? No. Uh, But he also, Manuel, does very little opprobrium. We've had opprobrium recently. Mm. We've had fathers blinding sons. We've had sons cooing against fathers. Manuel doesn't really do any of that. His father outlaws him, but Manuel was doing the sensible thing. I'm behind him. (laughs) He was trying to defend his city. Yeah. Uh, so there's not really any opprobrium either, unless you can think no. of something in that story that I've missed. No. No. He, he just seemed like somebody trying to do his best for the, well, I can't say yeah. empire, city. He seems like a competent ruler. Yes. Yeah. Who is very sensible. Uh, even on on his deathbed, uh, he is said to have told an advisor that uh, his son wants to be a great emperor, but what he needs to be is a good manager. Um, it's it, he's just a sensible person. Yeah. He's not crazy. I don't think he can get any points in this round at all. No, which is a shame. No. It's a shame, but so that is zero. Success, Okay, how do we judge this? <laughs> uh, the empire on his death is pretty much in the exact same state as when he came to the throne. But I would argue that in itself is remarkable when you look at how long he ruled. That's a good point. When he came to power, he was clearly a puppet emperor to a sultan who was about to take over. He was being ordered to go and visit. Yeah, yeah, he was being ordered around. He was a puppet emperor. He was one of two potential puppet emperors. Uh, It's that he had no power whatsoever. And yet, he outlasted that sultan. He set the sultan's sons against each other for long enough for the empire to keep going for quite some time. The Roman Empire definitely would have fallen if it wasn't for his abilities. Definitely. Yeah. You get the feeling if John VII had become the next emperor instead of Manuel, uh, that's it. That would have been our last episode. But Manuel keeps everything together. Yeah, he's the the spider legs hanging on while the water's (laughs) pouring on his head. That's what he is. And yes, the Empire got very lucky with Bezed being destroyed by Timur. Um, but Manuel took advantage of that. You could criticise him for abandoning the empire and just going off to the west when the city was being sieged, but uh, you could argue he had no other option. He needed help from somewhere, and he needed to do something, so he tried it. Uh, he didn't succeed in getting help from the west. 
and he spent most okay. of his life trying to do it. So could you say he failed there? But could he have done more? I mean, he went and lived over there for a while. He went from country to country asking for help. He then went back to Constantinople and asked for more help. Um, but he did He did get some of the help. He had the, the whole cavalry, what's it called? Crusade. Uh, the, the crusade wasn't him, though. No, but uh, he was successful in getting it started. That's uh, he important. didn't even get it started. It was the, oh, the king of Hungary okay. got that started because he was worried. But he asked for help. <laughs> he did. He, he, he was the fire... He was the, the flame... The catalyst. The catalyst, but, that's the one. Yeah, him being invaded was a catalyst. I don't think we can give him credit for that. Considering we're only three emperors to, from the end, I'd say he did remarkably well. It's a falling apart empire. He uh, did bloody well. Yeah. I mean, he's not getting high points because the empire's still in the same state, uh, but he kept it going. And that is impressive. For that reason, I'm going to give him six. I, oh, I was thinking the same thing. Because okay. A five would be nothing changes. Yeah. But it did change. It got worse. Then it got better. And it got worse again. <laughs> yes. But you could argue it didn't get. It, it got worse because of his son rather than through him. Yes. As well, yes. So. And we will judge his son next episode. I agree with six. I am going to match okay. you with twelve. Twelve. Okay. Image face. He's holding a sausage. It's a sausage or a lobster or something. It's or a big boomerang. He's holding something, and he looks happy about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's got a, a big grey beard, mm. big grey moustache, uh, and it almost looks like he's got a cheeky little smile. Uh, it's, it's a croissant. That's what it is. Oh, from France. Yeah, it's from France. It's when he was in France. He's eating a croissant, and it even looks like he's nibbled the top of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it is still... Uh, Very reminiscent of previous images. Yeah, it is. Um, it's not exactly the same as the drawings we've had recently. It's, it's more of like a... It's, it's more 3D, a bit more yeah, detail. Yeah, it's a bit more painting. It's, it is very reminiscent, though, isn't it? Um, I'm going to go straight down the middle five because it's nothing new, but I'm going to give him a bonus point for the cross on. So are you going to have six? Yeah, I'm going to six. I'll go with 12, which gives him a total of three. Okay. Temple completed. I think he... Ooh, I don't know if he quite gets to 40 years, but thir- was... late 30s, something like that. I don't know. From I... 1391 to 1425. You need to tell me what that equals. That is know. 35 years. 35 years, that's very that, good. Yeah, that is 35 years. And for most of it, him actually ruling, like him being a ruler. Uh, this is very impressive. For, for at this, this point, yeah. At this point, hugely, <laughs> hugely impressive. Um, yeah, uh, that gives him a score, 4.25 for this round, which gives him a total, if I've added this up correct, Jamie, uh, of 29.25. That's what I got. 29.25, not quite in the wow. 30s club. No, but, um, that, but he's 0.75 away, so... Yeah, yeah and... Uh, Considering as one of the last emperors, that is higher points than I'd be expecting at this time in a podcast. So <laughs> yes, definitely. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, and I think we've got a genuine question now. Oh, we do. Oh. Do they have a certain genesis? Okay. Strip away all the, all of the stuff of the fact that he's cool and he's Spanish. That's like stripping the skin off a sausage. It, it's. I'm. I'm just going to say that there is a chance that that is not historically accurate. I, I, I don't know where that comes from. But, no. okay. 
we'll, we'll do that as a hypothetical. Hypothetically, it might not be a thing. Yeah, it might not be a thing. Um, we'd like to deal with facts. So let's let's <laughs> pretend that that's... We'll just discount all the obvious evidence that he had a pencil with a thin moustache uh, and he had his guitar. If you just get to the nuts and bolts of the story, he has the fact that he came to England. That is something I would tell people about. Yes. Uh, and he went to Paris, which is cool as well. Um, he didn't give up. He kept nope. fighting. He was ballsy compared to his father. It's like, nope, yeah. this is what we're going to do. You need to help me do it. Yeah, definitely compared to his father, he was. Is that enough to get Jenny Cesar, though, Jamie? The empire was at a point where it would have collapsed. Yeah. It didn't. It lasted for another 37 years because of him. It could have yeah. collapsed 20-odd years before, and we'd, our podcast would be a lot shorter. <laughs> two episodes two episodes shorter, shorter yeah <laughs> right. uh, um, I think hand on heart I think I'd have to say no but if you say yes we can go to the coin I I, I think I have to say yes okay you're going to say yes yes he's okay. interesting he's an interesting guy he, he is interesting it was a good there episode we go. and this far, this end of the scene this point can you imagine Emperor being this successful getting almost 40, 30. almost 30. <laughs> almost 10. <laughs> <laughs> almost two. Okay, it's a, it's a Power Ranger coin that they use in their morphers. Excellent, okay. However, both sides are the same. So, <laughs> I feel I, like <laughs> you're trying to rig this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dinosaur, he gets it. We are going to use, for the first time ever on this podcast... A new coin. Ooh, a new coin. Ooh! Sorry, I wasn't looking at the screen. That, that's, that's a King Charles. So you have King, a King Charles, King Charles coin? Yeah. They, Since they when have they been coming out? They gave them out in shops, apparently. Um, yeah. They've been oh. out for a... I, I didn't realise. And then I after, don't use Beck, my coins anymore, Jamie. It's the future. No, Becky got it for me. So I, I think just... we should use the King Charles coin. Oh, right, okay. I look at yeah. the new back as well. All different. Oh, yeah. Has that got a crest for England and Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland? Yes, because it's got the Irish harp on it, Northern Irish oh, harp. Oh, that's It's got the Guinness nice. harp on it. Yeah. Now we get to see which lasts longer, the <laughs> United Kingdom of Great Britain <laughs> or, or King or Charles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure yeah. one of those sides will be obsolete quite soon. <laughs> right, anyway. <laughs> Dark. <laughs> Yeah, oh, right, okay then. Uh, so Manuel gets... Heads, because he's the head. The okay, temper. if it's King Charlie, then he's got it. Okay. And we flick. That was the sound of the coin flicking. We are... Burns the camera so Rob can see at the same time. Did you see it? Was... Yes, I did see you it. You did see it. I can't lie then. <laughs> <laughs> It was heads. It was heads, yes. So, Jupiter has spoken, Manuel. You get Jeanne Caesar, uh, which, I mean, in my hearts of hearts, I'm happy about because, obviously, Manuel being as cool as we say he is is definitely true and therefore he definitely deserves it. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got to go with the facts, right? Yeah, exactly. So that is a yes for Jeanne Caesar. <laughs> Possibly the last one we give out, but then, I mean, how do you not give it to the very last emperor, so... 
That's <laughs> true. So, Jamie, all we've got is Manuel's two sons left. John 8 and, and Constantine 11. Ooh. Mm. That is it. So close to the end. I never thought we would get to this, I'll be honest. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. Right, okay then. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. And I'd just like to give a, a, a well done to Rob as well, because at the moment you're inflicted with the with coronavirus. Yes, I'm well. not actually well at the moment. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I'll have to edit out the coughs and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. And they kill me now! <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the slurping of the lens sip. But uh, I got through the episode. Yeah, I did. did. It was good. Yeah. Right, okay then. Um, well, thank you very much for listening everyone and uh, uh, thanks for downloading some Poppy iTunes Stitcher Amazon and wherever you download yeah. it only two left Jamie only two left hold goodbye. it together man. hold it goodbye. together for the letter, uh, Manuel, uh, Mr. Manuel, sir. Um, thank you for inviting me, uh, but I just don't, I just don't think I could defeat Musa. He's outside, he's sieging the city, he looks tough, and I'm, I'm just the younger brother, and it's, I don't think I could go against him, sir. I'm really sorry. And that is why you fail. You don't what? believe in yourself. Um, no, no, I don't. And that is why you will die like a dog. I don't want to die. I have an idea. Yes? Down this. Okay. Now we shall have a night you will always remember. Follow me. One hour later. How are you feeling? Oh, that's pretty good. Those last couple of drinks went down quite well, actually. That's nice. What's this? I, I don't know how to translate it into your native tongue, but in my country back home we call this darts. Oh, right, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? Look, oh, oh, almost hit the board that time. Anyway, what what was it you said about my brother Musa? Two hours later, and that is the end of what we call in my country a funny story. <laughs> that was really funny. Three hours later. How are you feeling now, my friend? I feel like I could defeat the world. I feel so good. What was that tablet you gave me? It doesn't matter. The fact is you feel confident. You've got the energy. I definitely do. I, oh, oh, if I saw that Musa, oh, I never liked him, you know. Oh, I the things I'd say to him now. I wish I could say it to him. Right, last thing. Drink this drink. We'll give it another hour. Okay. One hour later. Where's he gone? Philip, where's, where's Mehmet gone? Well, he's gone, sir. Uh, he's gone? Gone where? I heard him shouting something about him showing his brother who's who's boss and that he would get his teddy bear back from years ago. He didn't know what that meant. Uh, anyway, yeah, he's gone. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, just 
just checked with the lads. Uh, he was last seen uh, topless, two swords, swinging them about. He was uh, going out the the, uh, the Golden Gate. Uh, I think he's going to attack now, sir. I think I overdid the pep again. 